It's time to talk football. It's time to talk Dons. North Zone 1 Red Review. Hello and welcome to another Red Review. I'm Alan Davidson this week, joined by Lewis Mickey and Lewis. Where do we start with that at Tyne Castle yesterday? Oh, I don't know. We could just start with Naomi McGinn's free kick and work our way down into the worst parts if you'd like. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it was almost not surprising. You know, it's a little bit frustrating when you're going away from home against bottom of the league, haven't won under their new, haven't even got a point under their new manager yet, and you're like, oh, not too sure about this one. And rightfully so, they they seem to prove so. Um, yeah, not the performance I you know would think anyone was really looking for. And uh, only spared blushes a little bit by Hamilton getting a result against Motherwell, meaning they haven't raced further ahead of Aberdeen. Um, but yeah, not not the result I think anyone was hoping for at that point. No, I think it's it's where we seem to have struggled against Hearts all season. Even back to that first, I go back to that first game of the season. It was a obviously, I think glossed over by the fact it was a late winner. It was a brilliant game of football, but we very nearly chucked it away against a poor Hearts side. And I think we we all said after that first game of the season, Hearts could be in trouble this year unless they do something drastically different. And they haven't. They just seem to have picked up enough points against us to yeah. stay in touch. I mean, I didn't actually think that Hearts would be in as much trouble at that point as they are. I was kind of looking at the Hearts in the first day of the season and being like, well, they're going to struggle to really kind of put pressure on us for Europe. Like That was the point I was at. I wasn't thinking they were going to be bottom of the table. And it's kind of typical of Hearts that they would get their first point under the new manager and all the teams around them would win and they'd actually be further behind now. Um but, you know, I mean, you still look at that Hearts team and you can see there is competence there and I get it, but I still wouldn't, you know, necessarily look at that game and be thinking, you know, Aberdeen have an excuse not to go and get three points, especially, it comes back similar to the St Johnston game when you have spend so much time with a man advantage, but St Johnston was a two-man advantage, but in this one, the Aberdeen, you know, spent a good amount of time with a man advantage. They scored straight off the free kick that they got that from to equalise, so it wasn't like they were searching for the equaliser for ages. Um, and it actually seemed like Hearts were on top for about the last 10 minutes, which is, you know, again, really frustrating because it shows just a lack of Aberdeen being able to dominate a game and being able to, you know, look competent in the attack. You know, that seems to be a common issue that just goes through the entire season. And it's again, I think it comes back to no Sam Cosgrove. We don't score from open play. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's very rare that we seem to find goals without Sam Cosgrove in the team, which which is a real worry. It, it doesn't help that it just feels like you know you look at Ryan Hedges and his minutes that he's had. He has quite a lot of assists. You know he's up near the top of the division, and at times he's not starting games. You know he for me he's probably the best signing this season. You know I don't not that necessarily the bar was super high, but he's probably the better signing that was made this summer. And it's a little bit frustrating when you see him not being used as as much as you feel maybe could now there might be some injury management there because I know he had some injury problems before he came to Aberdeen and he hasn't had an injury up at Aberdeen yet so maybe that, well, that's the, the thinking one. Yeah, well, Everyone else yeah he must be actually to be fair but you know it's just hard to gauge you know at this point why maybe he's not getting as much game time you know Derek McInnes talked about how you know he had to sacrifice width to get two strikers to play um, in the game at the weekend and you're just thinking you know why why is it so much worth getting Curtis Main into that side that you take out Ryan Hedges and Naomi again Naomi again I get because you don't see Naomi again play two 90 minutes in a week anymore and that's understandable uh, but you still have Conor McLennan you still have James Wilson uh, there were options there um, but you know being less negative let's just you know give the praise to Naomi again so we can have a bit of positive stuff here you know 
I saw someone even suggesting uh, yesterday he could be Aberdeen's player of the decade, which when you think about, you know, some of the other players that might challenge him probably haven't been around long enough. You know, he has scored a lot of important goals. He steps up in big moments and, again, fantastic free kicks as well. Scores some belters, which always helps. <laughs> yeah, there, there is certainly, there's a highlight reel of Niall McGinn goals, isn't there? Yeah, because even when it's like, you know, not a free kick, he's scoring, you know, those edge of the area ones. You know, we saw it a few times against Motherwell, Park Thistle. You know, you can just reel them off. Now he gets incredible goals. Uh, sometimes you could accuse him of lacking a bit of consistency, but then you look at the stats and you, know, you think this is a guy who is delivering season on season a decent amount of assists and goals um, and maybe doesn't always get the credit he deserves. But, you know, he really probably helped Aberdeen get out of a hole yesterday because if he doesn't score that free kick, I don't know if Aberdeen even get the equaliser against the 10 men. So uh, that was, you know, that's in the end a pretty important goal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, but it maybe shows you where you are at the moment that player of the decade, kind of, at the start of the decade, we were relying on Niall McGinn's goals. And at the end, we're still relying on Niall McGinn's goals. I mean, at the start of the decade, we were relying on Andrew Constein being a consistent performer. And at the end of the decade, we're relying <laughs> on Andrew Constein being a consistent performer. So uh, it does show you a little bit of a case of, you know, something's changed and other things you know just yeah. stay the same and, and some of it is okay you like a bit of loyalty and you like you know players to be kept on when they're good and I suppose those are two good examples but maybe the bad examples are still you know there's some problems that persist right throughout the decade with Aberdeen there still seems to be that confidence problem you know they just seem to crumble sometimes against some of the bigger teams or on big occasions and there still seems to be you know a difficulty maintaining a, a consistent really nice style of football that then leads to Pataudry being you know higher attendances and sold out on a more regular basis because people know that they're not going to go to Pataudry necessarily and get a fantastic entertaining game of football no that's it I think you you need to be winning stuff or you need to be playing good football and at the moment we're doing neither yeah and I mean there is a little bit of revisionism I think at the moment with some supporters where they're like you know the football is as bad as it's ever been under Derek McInnes and I'm not convinced you know I, I still do think that if you actually go back and look at some of the games, even when Johnny Hayes and stuff was around, uh, the football wasn't always that amazing. Um, the high points were very, very, very good. Some of the goals were very good. But there was a lot of these same moments of long ball football that we get right now um, at that point as well. And it's just the fact that people were happy with what Derek McInnes was delivering at that point. And that's maybe the one thing that's played Derek McInnes a little bit is he quick, quite quickly put Aberdeen up to a level that they weren't getting for years before he was there. But he hasn't been able to really get past that. So he's consistently meant that Aberdeen are going to be in the top four, possibly second. It's now kind of dropped to fourth last season, but he's probably always hoping for third. They're always going to be aiming at cup finals, but never quite winning them. And they're always going to be getting into Europe, but not quite getting into the group stages. And he hasn't been able to get past any of that point. So people are just getting a bit bored. And they're thinking, you know, well, you know, if this is going to be this and you're doing it through a style of football that's not particularly easy on the eye, what's the point? And that's probably becoming the issue at this point. Yeah, but and, I, and I don't want to be the one jumping on Derek McInnes' case. And there are certain sections of our support that are kind of have been for years calling for Derek to go at, at any opportunity. But I think I said to you just before we started recording, yesterday was the worst I've seen it. Yesterday there were there were people who have backed Derek all the way, who, who, who you see on social media, who were like, right, it might, it might be time now. Yeah, yeah, I can see, I can certainly see the point um, from people, and you know, I can understand people being bored and whatever else I would argue it's and, and people will be annoyed but I'll argue that it's probably not the right time to do it not that not necessarily saying that if it was done I wouldn't understand um but going into this winter break chance 
in the window. Obviously, Derek McInnes, I mean, people criticise Derek McInnes' transfer windows and they say he doesn't have a great track record. I'd argue, you know, he probably doesn't have as good as maybe you'd want it, but when you look at the way that he has to operate free transfers loans, it's actually not too bad um, because the ratio isn't going to be about 80% success when you're doing that no, kind when, of market. No, but you've looked at money it's been, but I think what people are questioning, and I think it's a valid point, is if you are Dave Cormack, are you, are you giving Derek McInnes the checkbook? Do you trust him with it? I suppose that's true, but at the same time, if are you going to go and trust someone who, at this point, you'd have to bring in in a rush? And yeah, I'm not. I'm just I'm yeah. kind of playing devil's advocate. But oh no, definitely. I mean, um, I mean, I, see where we've spent money before. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> part part of the part of the issue would probably have to be the fact that it shouldn't just all come down to Derek McInnes. I'm not saying it definitely does. I don't know how the inner workings of the club work, but I mean, if. You know, whoever's making the decisions of who comes in in January, let's say Derek McInnes then ends up, isn't in charge next summer, there should still be people around who are responsible for whoever was brought in in January. Um, so there still should be that continuity there. And um, yeah, again, it's, it's a big January. You know, it is going to be Derek McInnes in charge of it. You know, I wouldn't, as much as, you know, the pressure is up on from the fans, I'm not convinced the pressure is there from the board. You know, at the very least, I would think the end of the season, they might look at it at that point, but not. In no. the middle of the season, unless things go drastically wrong, and you know, you always know that Dent McInnes will get at least enough out that things aren't going to go drastically wrong. That that's the whole point, you know. I don't think it's that valid of a point, but people who are very much on Dent McInnes' side will go, "Well, look at Hearts and Hibs. Look at how much the dips they've had in the time that Dent McInnes has been in charge. Aberdeen haven't even come close to being that bad." And while that's true, you also have to say that Hearts and Hibs haven't been acceptable whatsoever. It's not like that's something that should be happening. No, so you shouldn't use that as your benchmark, but. Um, you do have to look at it and go, you know, Derek McInnes is never going to drive a side that far down, which makes that decision harder for Dave Cormack to make. But I think I spoke to, and I think comparing ourselves to Hearts and Hibs is a dangerous game. I spoke to a friend of mine who's a Hearts fan, and I, I, don't, I don't have many, but there is one, <laughs> right? And I, we, we keep him about. But I was speaking to him on Saturday night, um, and he was saying, even as a Hearts fan, the club is a shambles. Hearts, so I think comparing ourselves to Hearts is a dangerous game yeah. because there, there's no getting away from it. And we, we sat and slaughtered him on this show last week. It's an absolute shambles. They've got the old manager showing Stendhal round the training ground. Maybe Hibbs is a fairer comparison. Maybe oh. Hibbs is a fairer comparison. I mean, and, then, and we go down there and can't get a win at bottom of the league, and by all accounts, we're outplayed. Yeah. Um, and we're we're blaming injuries. Um, I mean, we're not missing that many players, are we? It's not that bad. No, I mean, it, that, that's the thing. You made the point before. You, you can say you're missing Craig Bryson, but Craig Bryson has never been a part of the team. It, it's, so it's, it's, not like, it's not like he's been the main man this season. Yeah, so I mean, Cosgrove is the big one when you look at that team, and that's obviously a miss. Can't sign Greg Lee, big misses, obviously, as well. To I mean, extent. if Bryson was a horse, we'd have shot him by now. <laughs> so those those would be the three. Bryson, I wouldn't really count, because as you say... Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not played. He's I'm, not played. I'm, I'm sure Greg he, Lee can't sign in Cosgrove. You, you give the benefit of the doubt there. <laughs> Those are big misses for Derek McInnes, but you'd also have to argue bottom of the league, a manager who's not won a point yet, that shouldn't be enough to justify not beating them when you had about 15 minutes for man up. But we should be beating them 11 against 11, I think. That, that, too, that too, absolutely. Um, but, I mean, just to make it worse and to rub it in, it was a man down for 15 minutes on their part, so that just makes it harder to, to fathom. Um you, the thing is, is I can understand people being frustrated with when the same mistake is made over and over. The one thing was people kind of got on the back of Dean Campbell apparently being playing left back um, at one point before they actually knew how that was going to work out. Now you can criticise that now because I don't know how badly it worked out. Apparently it didn't look that great, but he ended up dropping back in there and making a game-saving tackle at one point. Um, 
the important part is you can criticise when something has obviously been wrong in multiple games and hasn't worked in multiple games and they persist with it. Curtis Main, for example. Uh, and that's no offence to Curtis Main, but I'm sure he's not happy with his performances that he's made for Aberdeen so far. No, well, I think, I, and I think it was yesterday. There were, there were calls for people that don't that ever, like, I never want to see him in an Aberdeen shirt again. And that, then, that's how bad it was yesterday. But meanwhile, when, you know, you, try Dean Campbell at left back when the two left backs are injured I think that's fair enough you know you've got to try some stuff and, you've got yeah you've got you've got to try things um, but it's the same as I mean we're now missing Considine and Viner and Mikey Devlin still can't get in the team I suppose that just becomes which is, which is a, I want to go, what, what is going on with Michael Devlin so it's a weird one because sometimes it seems Derek McInnes really trusts him and other times it seems he doesn't um, but in fairness, Michael Devlin had his opportunity for a f- consistent amount of games at some, you know, kind of that kind of September, October type time, I want to say, and he wasn't as impressive as you would have hoped he would be. He was not as good as at times he was uh, last season before he got injured, and, you know, Derek McInnes then thought, we'll try Ash Taylor and, and Scott McKenna, whether or not that, I, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily it's been a fantastic pairing, but it's obviously Derek McInnes has seen some potential in it I've said you know that you just needed to pick two centre-backs forever um, so you know while that probably wouldn't be my pick those two together at least he's kind of sticking with people and you know he needs to stick with two centre-backs and he's probably just said look you know this is the two I'm going with I need to be consistent with it I wish he'd be more consistent with the entire team because it, this kind of that final third of the pitch where you have your wingers, your number 10, your striker, other than Sam Cosgrove when he's available, that has chopped and changed so much. You don't know whether it'll be Naomi again, Ryan Hedges, James Wilson, John Gallagher, you know, whoever. Um, so you need that consistency. So at least again, that centre-back, which is arguably the most important place to have that cons- uh, consistency. Um, whether or not Ash Taylor is a better option than Michael Devlin, I'm not sure, but you need to at least stick with something. Um and, you know, the only option of then getting Devlin in would be to play a back three, and we know how that works out for Aberdeen. So. Yeah. Well, that's it. And I think McInnes came out and said, obviously, we've now lost Zach Viner, what it looks like for the rest of the season. That looks like him done. Yeah. Um, if, if, if the shoulder's gone again, and there is the operation, McInnes has, had kind of said straight after the game yesterday, if, if it's the operation, the season's done. Mm. Um, so we, we need to strengthen in January. And January isn't an easy time to sign players. No. But it's a massive window for Aberdeen. Yeah, massive window. You look at that squad and you'd say straight away, obviously because of the injuries, defence somewhere to strengthen. Ideally, someone who is a fullback but is comfortable on either side. That's not again easy to find, but you know it, it is possible. Um, I mean, Shea Logan came in in January and he is a right back who, for a good bit, was playing left back actually. So um, that is, you know, again, you need to be looking for a fullback there who could do that. And again, we were talking about before the show, someone who could cover across the whole back four would be Tommy Hoban. But would do you really want to solve, try to solve an injury crisis with someone who has, you know, been injured more than they've ever played? Um, I would argue you could maybe sign Tommy Hoban, but you should be then also replacing Zach Viner's loan with another young loanee, um, or maybe not even young. You know, if you can find someone experienced who is available for loan, because sometimes that will happen, because you'll look around and you'll see a few players who are not getting game time at their clubs, um, and those clubs will want to do right by them and loan them out. There might be an opportunity there. And certainly a midfielder would be required, because at the moment, real central midfielders who are going to be fit when you come back in in January, you've got Lewis Ferguson, you've got Ojo, um, and then you've got Dean Campbell. I mean, John Gallagher can play there, Ryan Hedges can play there, Greg Lee, when he's back fit, can play there, but do you really want to play them there? So you probably need to be looking for a midfielder, um, and you need to be looking for as good a midfielder as you can find. We need to look for what Bryson was supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. 
it's it, it, that that's the problem. We've we've kind of been that man like in that holding midfield role because we we signed Bryson to replace Shinny and he's never been fit enough to have a consistent run of games. Yeah. And I mean, because again, you know, Dean Campbell's a fantastic young footballer, but you sometimes forget how young he is. And Derek McInnes, you know, he gets criticised for a lot. I do agree with the way that he kind of keeps Campbell sometimes in the team, takes him out again, keeps him protected, you know, doesn't overexpose him, doesn't um, lead to him getting to the point where he's played six games in a row. He's not played well in his confidence shot. So, you know, if you're playing three in the midfield, which I think they should be doing, I think it should be one up top and three in the midfield, um, then Ojo and Ferguson will probably be obviously going to be in there. So Campbell can be on the bench, rotating. Bryson will be injured. So you've got to look for a midfielder who's going to complement those two in there. Lewis Ferguson is obviously probably the... You know, you could go two ways with this. You could go with someone who is going to be the shinny replacement and that allows Lewis Ferguson to really get forward where he clearly has potential. Or if you can't find that, you find a more number 10 type player and you tell Ferguson you just need to be, you know, that kind of middleman again. And, you know, he's fine doing whatever. He is the Swiss Army knife of midfielders. Yeah, but it, that's it. And I think, again... He's a young lad, and, and are we really relying on Lewis Ferguson? Is that is that where it's come to that we, we need we need three Lewis Fergusons, please? <laughs> I mean, is, is, that, is that is that what we've come to? I mean, I'd be perfectly uh, happy relying on on someone like Lewis Ferguson. I understand that there's the age thing with it, but when you watch him play, it does not look like a was he maybe twenty now? I was about to say yeah. nineteen, but I, I think he's maybe twenty now. And he doesn't look like that kind of player. And if he doesn't, then that's fine. You know, I don't think there's any shame. You know, Sam Cosgrove's still young. These are players I'm fine relying on. Um, but you need to have the players around them to complement. You know, when you only have two or three players in an entire team, you know, because at the moment you look at the season so far, you look at who's maybe getting pass marks. You're saying Joe Lewis generally gets pass marks, um, Lewis Ferguson, Sam Cosgrove. When you know you're looking around and it's only two or three out of the whole starting eleven that you're confident in, that's not good enough. Because you look back at the teams that have done well under Derek McInnes, most players were probably getting pass marks. There were a few where you would say, okay, that's a weak link, that's somewhere we want to improve in a transfer window. But you always knew you had your, you know, uh, maybe not now, but you did have your Shea Logan, who would always give you a very consistent performance. Yeah. You knew you had, you know, Graham Shinney, Kenny McLean, Ryan Jack. Uh, so, Johnny Hayes, whoever. So, there was always kind of those consistent performers you knew you'd get out of them and then you just were hoping that, okay, maybe we can, we can improve in that other position. Uh, for a long time it was left back with Andrew Constantine and we could only actually wish now that our biggest problem would be replacing Andrew Constantine at left back. Um, but... Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I, we don't want to... It's supposed to... It, it's kind of... It's still Christmas. It's supposed to be a happy time of year and it, I am not happy, Lewis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to put a line under it, I think... Two or three signings minimum are required. Yeah, it, it, um, and I they think need to be it, done quick as well because you want them going away to Dubai with that training camp. Yeah, and ho- hopefully that. Let's say I think we all the excuses are gone after we come back from this winter break. I haven't actually looked at the fixture running when we come back. I know there's Dumbarton um, in the Scottish Cup, which is obviously that that needs to be because they've already promoted that. Dave Cormack has said, "Look, everyone pack out the Merkland. We want that to be a singing section. That game has to be an absolute mauling." Yeah, we with need all to. respect to Dumbarton, Aberdeen hey. at home. After a long break, new signings, actually have the crowd, because normally that game would be dead, the crowd might actually be with them, they should be going into that game and should be all over Dumbarton. And I'm not saying they have to go and beat them 6-0, it could be 2 or 3, but they need but to have needs, possession, needs to they be need convincing. to be flowing, attacking, they should not be too defensive in there. I can't remember, was it Stenhouse Muir? Stenhouse Muir was the one that just went off last, it, yeah. Last year, coming back off the winter break, and we were hopeless. So I think it needs to be, yeah, first three, first three games back after the break, Dumbarton at home in the Scottish Cup, Motherwell at home in the league. 
and then away to St. Mirren. So you're looking at some crucial games there, right? Because you've got Dumbarton where obviously it should be a win, but it should be a very convincing win. You've got Motherwell where if they beat them, they go ahead of them in the table. Um, and that's crucial. That's a big game for the season, actually, because the battle now becomes Aberdeen and Motherwell. There's the off chance that Hibs or Livingston might push their way into that battle, but they're like 11 points adrift yeah. or something. Well, like. I think here's the thing. This, this is what the, we'll kind of get on to the results this weekend, but I think it's a, it's a given how poor Aberdeen have been this year, and there's no getting away from it. We've not been good. The um, rest of the league has been woeful, <laughs> essentially. G- given that we're actually we're only a point off third. Yeah, yeah. And, we're, I mean, we're, and we're well a point, ahead of the rest of teams. We're a point off third and 11 points clear of Livingston in fifth. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, the teams behind Aberdeen, if they come out of, you know, if they go into February, um, or, well, no, obviously February would be the start, if they go into March and they have that same lead or higher over the teams behind them, then no one will overtake them. I'm pretty convinced that no one's going to overtake Aberdeen and Motherwell at this point now anyway. But yeah, and then as I say, you know, Motherwell important. And then the, the thing is, is St Mirren, that, it would be typical Aberdeen to go and beat both of those teams, Dumbarton and Motherwell, and then lose to St Mirren. But they really they can't afford to do that because they lost um, against St Mirren away from home no, last I think, time. I think six, six points from those two games are absolutely crucial because then we head to Ibrox. Yeah, so that, that there's an importance of, of doing that there. And again, if you also, because you have to think, if you beat Motherwell, who go into the winter break on a low, and then you beat them, they might go into that next game after when Aberdeen are playing St Mirren, and they might draw or lose. And then you need to beat St Mirren to again take advantage and go further ahead of them to give you that security ahead of the Ibrox game. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's massive. So let's, let's go through, let's, let's, let's go on to the other games this weekend. Cool. Um, I know you didn't take part in the predictor this week, but uh, we'll, we'll go on to it anyway. So start with Old Firm game. Do, do we have a title race now? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still... I suppose if Celtic had won, that might have really put... I wouldn't, it wouldn't have put to bed the title race, but it would have made it you know pretty far-fetched. But it makes it very interesting now, because of course Rangers have that game in hand. They win it, they, you know, they go ahead. And um, on top of that, we know we'll have two more Old Firm derbies this season. And Celtic have not looked convincing against Rangers the last two that they've played. They were very lucky in the League Cup. Um, you know, you can't rely on... Fra- well, you can rely on Fraser Foster being a very good goalkeeper. But the two goals that he conceded, he had no chance with. So, you know, there was no chance he could do what he did in the League Cup final there. No, and you, and you think, Alfredo Morelos can't go the entire season without scoring in Celtic again. Can He's he? getting closer. He's getting closer. There was a couple of times where I was convinced he was about to score in that game. and I mean, the last one was when he got sent off for diving. He should have just shot. I couldn't believe that he dived. But, um, and actually, a pretty good, cons- in, in, to be fair, because we always criticise, a pretty good decision by Kevin Clancy there as well. Because when I saw it, and I know obviously it's different watching it on TV than being on the pitch, but when I saw that in real time, I thought that was a penalty. I thought he had taken him out. Um, but, he spotted that it was a dive, so you know, well done to him. But I just don't get the decision to dive there. He could have shot. Why, why could, and why? Why when you're on a yellow card? When you're when you've already been. This is the thing. And we spoke about this after the Motherwell game as well. First, Bookman was so stupid as well when, when he got himself sent off at Motherwell. It was okay, but it's 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 not like last season when he was kicking out and get kind of the that aggressive side of his game. Mm. The two this season have been ridiculous. One for turning to the fans and gesture, and whatever you think about the rule, every footballer knows it's there. Don't do it. I suppose, but like the Motherwell one, I get a little bit more because he's done it as many times and not got booked. That he was probably thinking, "Well, I, I'm not going to boot for this anyway." But the the, range, the one against Celtic, he knows he's going to get booked. He knows it's an awful dive, and he knows he's going to get caught. So I just don't see the point. Because what's the worst that can happen if he shoots? It goes wide, it goes flying away, and the ball needs to be retrieved, and it kills a couple of minutes. Because that that was going to be the last phase of play. Absolutely, it was going to be the yeah, last phase. Yeah, but that's it, and it's it's 
why, why, why take the chance? I don't know. It just makes no sense. But a lot of what Fred Miller does makes no sense. Um, and then the, the gesturing. <laughs> I'd be surprised if he doesn't land him, hasn't landed himself in more trouble with that coming off the pitch. Oh, I somehow doubt it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I, I think if he'd done it up here, if he'd done it against us, it would have been fine. Doing it at Celtic Park is a very different thing. Possibly. Um, but yeah, I mean, just looking at the game though, I mean, Rangers were fantastic. You know, it. it painful to say but Steven Gerrard has got a lot out of them and he's been given a lot of money to make a very very good squad but you know any of the managers that have been there before Steven Gerrard I, I think could have had that exact same squad and you know made absolute murder of it because they just weren't tactically all there Steven Gerrard has an understanding of the game that in some co- some you know really good players can't make it happen as a coach but he has a tactical understanding of the game that is you know second to none and Defensively, you know, I've always looked at Steven Gerrard's Rangers and thought they were really good going forward, sometimes a little bit suspect defensively. Celtic barely had a chance yesterday. They had yeah. them right where they wanted them. They didn't allow them to get out wide. They kept them central where they had, you know, all three of their midfielders converging on them. You know, especially Stephen Davis and Ryan Jack. Those are two players who are going to work really, really hard. They're going to make it difficult. The defence actually didn't do all that much. And their defence is the worry. They're not actually all that good. But the midfielders in front of them did the work to stop them having to do much more than clearing headers, which is never going to be Odson Edwards' game. Um, I thought Borja Barisic was fantastic. He is, bar none, the best left-back in Scotland. His delivery, maybe even best full-back, to be honest, his deliveries are incredible and that is worth so many goals in a season and Morelos actually despite other than his two yellow cards and the fact he couldn't actually score everything else he did was fantastic his hold up play how powerful he is for not being that big of a guy um, meanwhile Celtic were just well, that, that's it. And it's, it's a worry for Celtic fans I would suggest that Rangers have actually they've bossed them twice in a row yeah. absolutely bossed it and you know Scott um, Brown wasn't very good either no, but it's got misplaced passes there was, he was just raging he got booked just really unnecessarily and kind of when you're a player like Scott Brown and you get booted, that takes a lot of your you, game you, for you, you, But you've seen it again. As soon as somebody has Scott Brown's number, he's always in trouble. Um, and the issue is that it's now Rangers players that have his number. See, the issue is that sometimes happens with other teams is they try and say, well, look, if we stop Scott Brown, we stop Celtic, and that's not true. They stop Scott Brown and then Ryan Christie or Cal McGregor pop up and do something. Rangers were able to solve them all. Cal McGregor, probably of the three, was the better, you know, yeah, but it's unlucky like it wasn't his goal, and you know he was okay. But then in front of him, you would just look up, and there just wasn't anything happening. But it, let me say, and, and there's still these two old firm games. That I think will decide the destination of the title to come. Um, but if Christie scores that penalty, it's a very different game. Exactly, and you do wonder though. Um, it is a very different game, I suppose, if he scores that penalty. But you do wonder, and I also didn't wonder. I, I was looking at him as the penalty taker and wasn't convinced, to be honest. But you also wonder, you know, Mikey Johnson starting on the left. Okay, fair enough. You know they might have had to play Ryan Christie out there if they didn't play that. But then you get Olivier and Cham in there, and he's he's pretty good. Or you could play Tom Ronyak, and he's always scoring against Rangers. But then on top of that, you know, okay, Elianusi's injured, so you can't play him. But they've just exiled Scott Sinclair from that team, and yeah. you know I get that he, you know, isn't the same player he was when he first came to Scotland, but he's still good for a goal. You know, I just don't understand that. It just didn't make sense to me, and. Um, you know, I would have played Ryan Christie out of position before I played Mikey Johnson that game. Neil Lennon keeps on going back to Mikey Johnson in games against Rangers, and it makes no sense. It's hanging a young player out to dry sometimes. And, uh, yeah, Neil Lennon has some improving to do now. He's done very, very well in Europe, and he's kind of coasted along in uh, the league. 
and done well enough, but he's now really going to have to try and turn that around, and he's going to have to win the next Old Firm game, which I assume will be at Ibrox. So it's going to be very interesting. It could be a season where they're both beating each other away from home, um, because that's how it's went so far. Yeah, um, and just finally on that, Stephen Gerrard is embarrassing though, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, the celebrations, yeah. At the same time though, it's like, if that... It's annoying because you look at it and you want to slag him off. You're like, if that was my coach, I guess maybe I'd be no, behind it's, it. it's a bad it, But it was, it was it's, a bit much. It's, it's imp- jumping about like he's a player. On on the pitch, hugging everyone. It's like, you, you've, it's three points, mate. It's It will be one of those things where I think he underestimates how much can come back to haunt you in Scotland if things don't work out in the end. Like, if that... It, it might happen in England, to be fair, as well. But like if they don't win the league now... They're all you know. Celtic fans are going to be all over that on Twitter. But that'll be like. Remember when Stephen Gerrard won the league in December? You know that'll be what yeah, they'll go back that, to. That, that was December. It's like, but it, it wasn't like it sent them top. It, it was. It, they've. They're still second in the league. But aren't they basically effectively top because they have a game in hand? And you know, I just look at it and go Rangers. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm never convinced that again, any team playing them are going to beat them other than Celtic. No, but I think this this Rangers team, as shown against us up here, have the ability to chuck, to away, it, yeah. to chuck away stupid points. Right, enough enough about those two because uh, I'm sure you hear enough about them on yeah. every other. Yeah, that, that's not what this show is show. about. Um, we only like to slag them. Um, impressive, Livy two 0 at home to Hibs. Oh, Livy, like they're honestly becoming my, my wee crush in, in Scottish football because you know they just they're doing such fantastic things I, I love Livy but no I mean you look at them and it's just they lost some really key players last summer they replaced them they do I mean part of this comes into Hibs just being really inconsistent but I mean full credit to Livy um, fully believe that they have a really good chance now of finishing in the top six they've probably protected themselves from relegation now because you look at the amount of teams that are down below them you know their points tally isn't necessarily that healthy but what makes that stronger you you know you might be like say 10 points off the bottom and you think that's not quite enough halfway through the season but when you also have six teams in between that's six teams who can mess up themselves and stop you potentially going down so they have you know, a good chance now of... I don't think they'll go down. I don't think they'll be in the bottom two. And they have a good chance of being top six. Um, it depends maybe how Kelly reacts, who their new manager ends up being. But, I mean, yeah, again, we, we know that Livingston can win a game when they're given the opportunity. So it maybe says more about Hibs. Um, they just can't really string things together. Jack Ross certainly is already, for me, proven he's the right appointment. And uh, he will need to make a few changes in January. I think the big changes will probably come in, in the summer. But... Um, this will stop Hibs pushing and maybe getting near Aberdeen and Motherwell, but I still think they'll easily be top six. But yeah, I'm, I'm just worried, Louis. I think, and, and again, it was, I, think, I can't remember the exact numbers. It's going to annoy me now, and I can't find it in front of my notes. Um, but it was something like a crowd of over four, just over four thousand. They were around three and a half thousand Hibs fans there yesterday. That, that's the one depressing thing about that's, about Livingston. And, 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 and this is where my worry is with Livingston at the moment. We're full of plaudits, and you're going, "Oh, well done, we plucky Livingston." They're going to turn into Hamilton. I, I was like that with Hamilton for the first season, two seasons. Now I'm fed up with them. But then the problem is, is Hamilton are still Hamilton. So what, we're going to have two of them? We're going to, we're going to have two. That, that's my concern. We're going to have two Hamiltons. See, the issue I always have with this, though, is like everyone blames Hamilton or blames Livingston for it. And like, fair enough, you know, it is frustrating. But at the end of the day, it's the bottle jobs that are in the champ. You know, the two Dundee clubs, you have hearts being awful. You know, if it wasn't for these teams, then we're long gone yeah. of Hamilton. Well, on to, so. on to Hamilton. And on to another club to blame for Hamilton. 
Hamilton picked up another one of those wins that you didn't see coming. That'll be the three points that keeps them up. Thank you, Motherwell. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm willing to take that one because it was Motherwell. Because it, it helps us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but it is, these are the kind of wins that you don't see coming that every year mean we're forced into another season of Hamilton turning up at Pataudry with 30 fans. Hamilton are so consistent at doing it though, aren't they? You know in every season that they're going to just kind of lose like six games in a row but win the seventh. And you know that they're going to get a result against Hearts. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> that's what Hamilton do. Hamilton always just scrape out enough points just to keep themselves up and inflict us to another year of. I know, but it's, it's still I can't help but be slightly impressed by it. The way that Hamilton like just seems so. You look at their squad and you're like, that's so devoid of any quality close to any other team in this league. And somehow they're getting every season without a doubt they'll probably get a result against Hearts. They'll get a result against Aberdeen. They'll get a result against Motherwell. That's in a derby, by the way. Coming from behind, away from home, in a the derby. Only, that, that's what, the only surprise is that they actually <coughs> th- those ridiculous wins normally come at home on that horrific pitch. Yeah, so you know you have to give them credit when they do it on a grass pitch. <laughs> when they actually play football on a football yeah, pitch. Like, Whoa, this thing, guys! You have an idea here. This is spongy. <laughs> <laughs> I can slide tackle on this, guys. Uh, now up to, up to Perth, St Johnston won, Ross County won. I actually turned out to be not a bad point for either. No, I mean, like, given half, the way things went. At half time, it was nil nil, and I was genuinely uh, playing a small violin for Dave Galloway because I would have been two weekends in a row. He'd been to Perth and s- sat through a nil nil. Uh, but yeah, can, you could, ma- can you imagine being a just just like out, out there some somewhere? Somebody's got a St Johnson half season ticket for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy though? You know what's crazy though? That was the first goal they conceded in December against Ross County they really you know I remember in November the talk was well you know what St Johnson their midfield's pretty good their strikers aren't fantastic but they'll get you a few goals their defence is just awful and suddenly their defence turned fantastic but yeah I mean I I would agree with you good point for both when you look at some of the results well the Hearts result I guess I mean maybe it wasn't that good of a result but they'll both take it Um, more so Ross County you know you go away from home against a team who haven't conceded all December and you score and you you know you get that point both have been really unconvincing. You know, Ross County started the season okay. Um, both probably need just, you know, one good signing is enough to for either of those teams in January to avoid being in the bottom two. You know, honestly believe that. You know, St. Johnson signed a good striker who gets them five to seven goals over the rest of the season. They'll stay up. Ross County, I mean, I, I probably have watched a little bit less Ross County, so it's harder to say what they maybe need. A good centre defender, maybe. Possibly also a striker. You know, they do have some actual good strikers there. I mean, Ross Stewart is good. Um, Billy Mackay, probably, uh, he'll have a hot patch. So, probably a defender for Ross County. So, again, either of those, or both of them, sign a good one player in January. And that's probably enough when you look at some of the yeah. other teams. I think, given what's going on, I, I would actually suspect that neither of those will be in trouble now. I'm still not sure. I can't see. I still see Hearts recovering somehow. But I, I can't see all three of the teams behind them, St. John, St. Mirren, Hamilton, Hearts, all putting a run together to get up high enough. I suppose so. But then I look at St. Mirren, they've been on a bit of a run. They seem to get some results that are quite good at times. Again, I'm probably not convinced about St. Mirren, but I'm also not convinced. I'm not convinced either way. Hearts, I'm pretty convinced they will recover, although I said that last time. Well, no, no, I didn't really have to say that last time because they were playing with a youth team. But I said well, that about Hibs in the past. Hearts are now six points from safety. I know, which is crazy. 
so maybe I'm wrong, but because I, I said it about Hibs, I said it about Dundee United, I said it about Dundee, um, but something about something is just still telling me that Hearts are going to manage. But Hamilton again, we talk about them; they're always just that plucky little team that seem to pick up results. So I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be convinced about St. Johnson or Ross County yet, but I would say you know the balls in their park. Go and you know go and sign a decent player in January, and, and, and you kind of have enough, I would say. Especially St Johnston, you know, you look at their squad, it's it's a good squad for a team that I get hearts have a better squad and they could be going down, but it is a good squad for St Johnston's, you know, when you look back at their squads over the last decade, that it's probably the best one, that's what Tommy Wright said anyway. So yeah, good striker, could see them doing quite well. Yep. And finally St Mirren, good win at home to Kilmarnock. Yeah, I mean, that was my point again. St. Mirren do seem to find these results a little bit similar to Hamilton, maybe, that they're going to be this team that, you know, you just don't see it coming. But they do play a bit better football, to be fair. Um, St. Mirren, again, could probably do with a striker in, in January. But, you know, they've had some injuries defensively. So they they might need to do a bit more recruitment. And I wouldn't necessarily say that they may, maybe have the resources to do that. So it's going to be a difficult one for them. But, yeah, they just... Maybe they get some players back fit and it might work out because they do seem to have something about them. They play... a when you think about St Mirren managed by Jim Goodwin, you don't think about the football that you see St Mirren play sometimes. At least not what it was up at Pataudry. They played better football than Aberdeen. So, you know, yeah, nice Everyone plays better football than Aberdeen at the moment. I mean, Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton and Livingston <laughs> were about equal, about equal, I would say. Right, come on, come on, are aside in free fall at the moment. And, yeah, come on, are dreadful, aren't they? Um, and I, I don't quite get why they've decided to sack Alessio and then not have anybody in place and then let it run into the winter break. I suppose maybe the winter break is a good time to try and recruit, but they need to well, do it quickly in the winter break, otherwise who's going to have a say in January? But why, why, if you're going to pull the trigger on the manager two weeks ago, do you not have somebody in place now to, to give them a look at the squad? I suppose, but the problem is is we still don't have the... In- there's an inside story that no one has yet, I suppose, because there's going to be something behind this, and it must just be... They must just realise we can't. You know, They probably were hoping to get through to the winter break, and then just went, we can't continue this guy he has lost the squad completely um, that seems to be what's been kind of hinted at but we haven't had the specifics well, I think of the story there's a story came out I think in one of the Irish papers it was Dicker spoke to one of the Irish papers him or Power Eye and, and, and described it as something I can't see on radio ah right yeah so I, again this is basically where it probably comes you know it just became untenable and um, you know you can forgive that maybe they weren't lining someone up if they were hoping to get through to the winter break and then this happened but you know I just look around there's not many good options I would still say that I would look at um, Gary Holt at Livingston he has a connection with Kilmarnock he clearly has shown he can do well with little resources and well, the question is how, how, how much money is there now for Kilmarnock how, how, how much money is there to, to, to go and get a new manager because Alessio won't have been cheap getting him in and getting rid of him won't have been cheap that's, but I don't know about getting yeah yeah I would say so and then Gary Holt there would be compensation there probably not massive for Livingston um, but at the same time you know come on it probably don't have massive amount of money either so it's all relative and um, they will want to be saving some money for some additions in January but I don't know they never really made any money on player sales because they didn't other than Greg Taylor I suppose um, and they didn't exactly go and reinvest that you do wonder whether they might lose some players in January as well because there's some players there who haven't... No one's really performed all that well, um, you know, this last half of the season. You know, there was a purple patch they had, but there's no one consistently done it. But there's still some players they know that under Steve Clark were quite good, so there might be some clubs that might look at an Eamon Brophy, they might look at 
certainly Stephen O'Donnell. Uh, they might look at the, you know a couple of those midfielders, Power and Dicker, and they might kind of think, you know, well, maybe we should try and see if we can get them on cheap now. I'm not saying that they could get them, but they but, might uh, yeah, hope they can. There, there are players that maybe have, have lost some value given. Yeah, but again, you, you mentioned those names and you think, well, there's a good core of a squad there. But there comes up two issues there where one, okay, how do you add to it and do you, how do you find the right manager to manage it? But then more importantly, okay, that might be a good squad when they were managed by Steve Clark, but was Alessio the problem? Uh, or is it... But the thing is, these players have have got Alessio sacked. Let's let's not let's not. <laughs> they've lost the guy his job, yeah. um, and there's got to be questions about the attitude. Until until we know the full story, it's hard to tell. But yeah, because if Alessio wasn't the problem, then it needs to be a very strong character that comes in. That's not going to you know. Because clearly, if the if the players were, this is what maybe makes me lean to say that it was just it wasn't quite all the players, and um, because Steve Clark obviously had a lot of success with them. Now I would say that on the outside looking in, Steve Clark seems a bit harder of a character than Alessio you know just seems like that kind of guy that you if you were a player you might be a bit more scared of him um so maybe they just need someone similar to that again um Gary Holt I guess might come in and and do that again it's all there's something going on inside Kilmarnock that we don't quite know yeah and um you know it would be interesting if we got that story but we just gotta wait until Chris Boyd decides he wants to release (laughs) started on him um, I'm, I'm ba- so it was in a bad mood anyway and now you're speaking about Chris Boyd oh amazing see how he was just leaning on his chair when he was punditing yesterday it was fantastic because he just showed that he cares so much <laughs> it's fine no, no, nobody can see the facial expression uh, I'm pre- pretty sure he had a dig at the Celtic fans at the end he was like oh you barely heard them for most of the game it's just like what was the, oh, why are you a pundit he came out do you know him? he came out so I got him you've started me now he came out <laughs> It's it's not someone in uh, Dave Cormack's position shouldn't be using social media to criticise other clubs. That's class. <laughs> coming from Chris Boyd. Coming from Chris Boyd. Oh, that's amazing. Who's going about winding up other players, using his position in the media and on social media and on radio to to have a go at players' offices while he's still playing. Part of me just wants to know whether or not he knows exactly what he's doing and he's like well this is just gonna it's gonna get better people are gonna talk about me or if he actually is just you know so that naive thick. to everything yeah, 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 no he is <laughs> so Chris Boyd never hopefully Chris Boyd is not one of our regular listeners I, I doubt it can you actually block someone from listening I, I hope he isn't if, if, if people like I guarantee Chris, you Chris Boyd is not listening to this if people like Chris Boyd are listening to this show I'm doing something wrong that's not our target audience yeah I suppose that is right but Chris Boyd can Chris Boyd doesn't listen to podcasts. Chris Boyd can't work his phone. <laughs> Chris Boyd, if, if, if I gave Chris Boyd a phone and got, got him to try and download this show, he'd struggle. Look, he has a Greg's app. <laughs> so I mean, I don't know how you can. It's, 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 his phone is permanently on Just Eat. That's all it is. <laughs> have you seen um, the, or have you heard his advert that he did yes. when he was in Cardiff? Amazing. Yes. <laughs> We're getting to off the ball territory now. This, I mean. this, yeah, this, this is going down. I'm going to be in trouble for things said about Chris Boyd. I'm not a protein shake guy. Because <laughs> oh, Canadians have never heard of a steak bake. That's why. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, I, I, before we get ourselves in trouble, I think that'll probably do it. Just quickly, we'll be back. We made a wee special over the winter break. We'll see. We'll see, we'll see what happens over yeah, the winter I break. Yeah, I feel like a, a wee winter special... Yeah. Maybe some some uh, inserts from what's happening over Dubai. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we're not jetting Dave Galloway over to Dubai. No, the, 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 budget, the budget hasn't stretched <laughs> that far. As much as he would love that and has probably begged, 
it's not happening. But we do have the glorious function of the internet. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll manage to access we'll, we'll, Red we'll TV. Get, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get some stuff from Dubai. Um, we'll maybe get a wee special. I don't know when. We'll do it at some point. Can you can you tell it's Christmas and we've we've come, we've come in today to do the show and we've got we've planned nothing. It's a ghost town around um, here. There's no one in. Um, boss is off, so we're we're, we're 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 making we're deciding ourselves. We're doing a little special, so we'll we'll do, we'll do something over the winter break. Keep an eye out Fantastic. for that. But thank you, Lewis, for for coming Hello. in on your wee day off to to do the show today. I wasn't going to be doing much anyway. And uh, no, as always, I have been Alan Davidson, and this has been the Red Review. North Sound One Red Review. 